All right. Well, this is absolutely the most different podcast uh, I've ever done. So, hey, this is Pastor Quint with the Quintessential Ministry Podcast, and I'm excited to be back with some new and fresh content. If you followed along this summer, we went through my second book, Bring It. Uh, that wrapped up end of August. Another cool thing that happened uh, in August was I got the notification uh, through my podcast hosting site that we went over 1,000 downloads, which is pretty cool for um, something that we just started this year. So thanks to everybody who's been listening. Um, but today what we're going to do is I'm actually set up in my garage, which is uh, not at all elegant or impressive. So don't don't think that's cool. It's it's a messy garage full of kids bicycles. Uh, but I'm here joined here today with my friend Matt Bowers. Matt, would you say hello? Hello. And uh, Matt and I ride motorcycles together, and Matt is also in ministry, and we just have a lot in common. And so I thought it would be cool um, to introduce you to Matt, share, uh, let him share kind of some of his background, his story, and then we are actually headed out next weekend on a three-day uh, motorcycle trip. So we'll get into some of that. Um, but real excited about that. So anyways, Matt, would you um, maybe just give your background? And I'm excited for this because um, usually when we're hanging out, we're not talking. We're riding right, motorcycles. We're riding. So I'm going to learn some stuff here, I'm sure of it, about you that I, I never even knew. Because we'll stop and grab, you know, something at a gas station or whatever and talk for 10 or 15 minutes. And then we're riding again. So. Yeah. Um, so anyways, if you want to just, if you could give kind of your background, what you do, how you ended up in Erie. Any of those things, um, I think that'd be cool. My background, I was um, born into a uh, ministry family and uh, kind of grew up in the church, traveled around. We were missionaries for a while, and, and uh, when I became, uh, at age 18, I left the house to go to the mission field right away myself. Wow. So I did that, went straight to Haiti. Had a great time there and met some wonderful people in Haiti. Uh, youth was a mission, and uh, I liked them. They kind of recruited me, so I went to work with them for a while. Three years of doing youth ministry, mobile youth ministry, and missions at the same time. And then from there, I met some people that brought me into youth ministry, and I became a youth pastor in Longview, Texas. And uh, I was there for two years before a big transition from Texas to Erie, Pennsylvania. Wow. I wow. didn't want to come. Sure. It's cold here. It's very cold here. Where were you from before you went to Haiti? I was born in Lima, Ohio. and oh, So not far. So, not like yeah. crazy, crazy far. Except the difference between Lima and Erie is the amount of snow. Sure. I yeah. mean, it's cold in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we didn't get that kind of snow here. Right, right. Okay. So, so then how long have you been in Erie? I moved to Erie in May of 1997 to be a youth pastor at Grace Fellowship Church. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you're still there? I'm still there. Uh, the longest place I've ever been, ever been. Yeah, yeah. You know. In you... youth ministry, like the average, not even the average, the long-term youth pastor actually stays about two years. Yeah. And then they find a new place or they're fired or something. Or they want to become a senior they pastor. Want to be a senior, or... Yeah. I remember listening to a talk um, at like Global Leadership Summit or something, and Andy Stanley was talking, and he said, "Early in my ministry, I was uh, when I was just a youth pastor." Oh, I hate that. And then he, word. but then he caught it, and he said, "I think 
that was really insulting. And there's tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds worldwide watching the summit at that time. It was simulcast. And, uh, he was like, I can't believe I just said that. That might be the most insulting thing. If you're just a youth pastor, I apologize. You're not just anything. You're amazing. You're the hero. You know, and it was really like, it was pretty organic to say the least. Very authentic yeah. moment. You I know? always thought the church hierarchy was upside down. Yeah. Like I, if I was to, to run it the way I would want to run it, the youth and children's ministry would be of number one importance. The biggest budget would go to children's ministry, second budget budget to youth ministry, yeah. and then the adults get the scraps. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, you know, um, let me pause. Uh, if you're hearing cars driving by, it's because we really are in my garage. So, like I said, this is very organic. Two, this is going to be probably the most conversational-style podcast uh, I've done yet. So this will, this will feel different. But I was at a different church about three years ago, and... Um, they had a school attached to the church, and anytime the school used anything, the church would say, you better return it how you found it, you know, like made a big deal about these kids better not mess up our church. And then the church ended, or the school ended up closing, and the church had new leadership, and their leadership focused on kids' ministry. Yeah. And then they did this huge addition and made all this stuff for kids, and then now their joke, but really it's kind of serious, is... You adults better leave our stuff how you found it. Like the kids get run of the of the organization, not the organization, but like the facility is so geared towards reaching kids that if you're gonna borrow their space for a meeting, you better take care of it. I feel that way all the time. Yeah, for sure. I gotta live with it the way it is, you know. Mm -hmm. So for the moment, I also thought I heard someone say once, and I thought this was really, and you, you you can probably affirm this being in. Uh, your line of ministry for so long. He, he said, why do we give kids right out of college with no experience our most vulnerable disciples? Oh, right. Right? That, yeah. You put a 22-year-old over top of a bunch of teenagers trying to figure out this Jesus thing. It's a little dicey, right? It is a little scary. At the same time, they have uh, passion and energy. Yeah. And so... If and they're you, relatable. If you can take the passion and energy of the young and the experience and the wisdom of the old and really um, work together, then I think you'll find success. Yeah. yeah but if you're sure. leaning on one or the other, then you're, then you're missing um, a real big part and an asset to your, to your ministry. Yeah, for sure. It is a relationship for sure. So, all right. So you've been here, excuse me, uh, what would that be? 23 20, years? Coming up 23? It's 23 years. 23 years. Okay. Holy moly. Yeah. Time flies, huh? Yeah. So then how... Um, let's get to uh, the motorcycle stuff. How did you end up on two wheels and some of your background with that? Oh, yeah. So it started out when I was a youth pastor in Texas where I needed some transportation. And I thought that really the most affordable transportation was going to be a motorcycle. That is true. So, because you know, you can get into a, a brand new motorcycle for around three grand. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I was looking at that time. I was looking at a sport bike, crotch rocket, however you want to call it. And I test rode one, and and they didn't work out. But maybe that was God because the timing of, of shifting here sure was happening at at that same time. So when I got here, though, I was given a 1969 Triumph Come Tiger on. Come Chopper. On. 
and I still have it. It's in my garage. It's one of those things that I just I love. I cherish. I go look at it once in a while. Yeah. But it's not on the road. It's not road legal. Um, we'll work on that. Yeah, though. it's something I've been wanting to work on. It's something I've been like waiting for a little extra bundle of money to say. Yeah. This is this money needs nothing. Let's let's play. Love it. So uh, I got that, and then because of the the road legal issues, I decided to go ahead and buy a motorcycle, and. Um, I went and bought a Honda Rebel. It's a 250 motorcycle. Love that motorcycle. Yeah. Super easy to ride, super yep. nimble. Uh, and then uh, people felt sorry for me because I had a 250, I think. And uh, I said, I, I can keep up with anybody on the 250. Don't Could you, though? Yeah, yeah, really. All right. I mean, if we were racing, no, they got it. Sure, But sure. we're doing you know, highway legal miles, yeah. mileage. You You're know, going 50 I'm, miles an hour I'm down the country I'm keeping up with road. them, no trouble. Yeah. 60 Five is easy enough. Seventy, no problem. Anything above that, with the wind, I'm struggling. But yeah. So here, <laughs> I was then because I think they felt sorry for me. I was given a 1985 Honda Magna. Okay. Uh, that's a 700. Okay. That's also a fun motorcycle. It's one of the fastest bikes on the streets. Yeah. It's like it just takes off. So. And you still have that? I still have that. So you still have all of them. It's like, I have all but one. Okay. One was well, stolen. Yeah. One was stolen. Tell along that story the way. real quick, because then uh, you went from the Honda to. I went from the Honda to a uh, 1998 Harley Davidson Softail Custom. This bike was immaculate. Also given to me. Man, because yeah, favor the, on this man's life. Favor, I, I agree. Uh, because I've also I've also been given two vehicles, two other cars. Wow. I bought wow. a lot of cars over my years, but yeah, but. Um, yeah, I just think it's God's favor and, and God's way of saying, hey, I love you, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how I've always perceived that kind of gift. That Harley-Davidson was not supposed to be a gift. I had a deal with the guy. Okay. And um, I sent him the check, and the, the transfer went through and all that jazz, and then he calls me and or emails me and says, hey, I don't want to cash this check. I'm tearing it up. Like, dude, that's not right. And I, I really tried to tried but i received the gift yeah and uh, that okay. was stolen while we were on a long ride which we're getting ready to do this was, was i don't think it's the kind of mileage we did though the this was a ride around lake erie so it was three day ride and so american and canadian side american and canadian yeah road to niagara falls canadian side and we're spending the night there on our first day and I wake up the next morning, and the guy, my friend who's riding with me, he rides a, uh, a Honda Goldwing. We parked side by side outside in the parking lot. We saw the cameras looking at our bikes. We had good lighting and all that. You know, we thought, it's a good location to park. Woke up the next day, and he says, hey, Matt, where's your bike? I'm like, what do you mean, where's my bike? I began to get a little angry with him because he kept pressing this. I'm like, really, where's your bike? I'm like, it's not there, Matt. I'm like, you're lying. Right. I ran out there, my heart rate's pumping, and sure enough, it was gone. Ugh. Ugh. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I was stranded. So I either had to hitch a ride home or call for a ride. But I ended up riding on the back of a Honda Goldwing trike with my friend, Butch. Okay. That was a little funny, a little awkward. Yeah, sure. I mean. But know, I finished the trip. Yeah. On the back of a Goldwing. Hey. And uh, so the insurance bought that motorcycle, paid me for it, and I ended up getting this Harley-Davidson 
uh, Road King Classic, and this is a 2003 anniversary edition. And this has been, I honestly, I believe this is my dream bike. Yeah. Uh, okay. I always thought the Road King was the best. I just didn't think I could afford it. Mm -hmm. But the insurance company did great. They gave me the, a good value for the bike that was stolen, and uh, threw in a few few more dollars, and I got this. Yeah, that's and cool. my wife is super happy on this motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Where'd you find that this bike? This was a guy who lives in like northeast Pennsylvania. All right. He had two. He had this one and the 2003 Ultra, both matching. Like, why do you want to get rid of this? Right. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's it's a super cool bike. Um, I'm not real versed in the Harley lingo or the Harley whatever, but um, to me, it's all like just about the look, and that bike's got the look. This bike, yeah. this well, bike. I like them all. We're look. We're looking at this Road King now. You listening on this podcast can't see it, but we can, and it's a great bike. Yeah. Well, you got a new a new bike. Yeah. And so. Um, my first bike was uh, 1978 Yamaha XS 750, rare, three-cylinder, three-carburetor, very different, kind of a lucky, weird uh, finding of that bike. Like, I just happened upon it on Craigslist. The guy that I bought it from up in Buffalo, New York, is really into that particular model, the three-cylinder, the triple. It's, like, kind of his... Oh, I I didn't realize so, that was a three-cylinder. Yeah, so oh, mine cool. was the 11th one he had rescued. Because to him, he viewed it as, like, important to preserve. Because most people are buying those bikes, chopping them up, making them cafe racers. Yeah, yeah. I like the preservation. Yeah, so that was kind of his thing. And I was all about that, but then I did do a custom paint job and make some changes, and I had to redo the lights on the back of it. And so anyways... Um, I was a little less about the preservation as time went on and um, my amateur restoration skills kind of took hold of it. But I always like, I roll with these guys like Matt and our friend John up in New York and my buddy Jake, and they all just have these big touring bikes. And, you know, Red Delicious was my last bike's name, um, could hang, but barely sometimes it felt like, you know, so we would, we did, uh, like 400 miles on Labor Day last year up to Letchworth State Park and back. And it was fine, but I'm sure much less comfortable for me than it was for you guys. It probably is, yeah. So I always had my eye on... no. I always knew like I wanted to get into uh, some type of touring bike. I wasn't... I'm not necessarily uh, brand-specific. Um, I wasn't like definitely wanting a Harley or definitely wanting anything, but... Um, I had a deal come across my way this summer that I just couldn't pass up, and so I, I did it, and so I got a 2009 Yamaha V-Star 950 touring package. It's great. I mean, it's it, a beautiful motorcycle. Yeah, it is legit. So, super. Does it blessed. have a name yet? Good Vibrations. Okay. <laughs> Good Vibrations. Yep, is the name, and uh, yeah, it's got to have a name. Does yours have a name? Mine doesn't have a name. Yeah. I just call it the King. Well, that's a good name. So. Uh, so anyways, uh, but the same week that I bought Good Vibrations, I kind of had like a grown-up moment and was like, I don't need two bikes. I can't, yeah, you no. know. And that was rough because I made the decision to put Red Delicious up on Facebook Marketplace and she wasn't, she was gone 36 hours later. And it happened so fast 
then I didn't realize I wasn't ready to sell it. Yeah. And it was gone. But I, I've, I've, as you know, I have not experienced that. Yeah. Because I, I've held on to all of mine. But you know, you actually said something to me the week after when I was like lamenting to you about, I can't believe I did this. I'm sick to my stomach. I don't even want to ride Red Delicious. I just want to own her. You know what I mean? Right. I, I actually asked the guy that bought the bike if he had a change of heart or if he had buyer's remorse because I would I hadn't deposited the money yet and I would come get it. And he said, no, dude, we're good. <laughs> so anyways, um, you said to me that you, your regret is that you have you never sold any of your old bikes while they had their most value. Yeah, that that's the downfall right now that I have. You know, they're there, they're nostalgic to me, but they're, I mean, to get rid of them now, there's no money in it. No, they're they're just uh, parts bikes or uh, projects. If if anybody wants to take on the project, you got to find the guy who wants. You got to find the right person who wants to be able to fix them. Like the the rebel is easily fixed. I can do that myself. I think and. Um, um, I actually was keeping a hold of that because I, my kids love motorcycles. Right. And I thought, I'll hold on to this one for my, my daughter, who's the oldest. Uh, she, she's like, no, Dad, I'm not, not really my style of motorcycle. Insult. Thank you. Sorry. Right. Right. Uh, she wants the crotch rocket. And oh, she rides. And uh, my son, he's not showing the interest. Yet. He's 15 now. So I'm like, well, maybe. Yeah, there's maybe. still time. There's still, hey, I didn't buy my first bike till I was 30. 31. I was 31 and had my third kid. Oh. And she was a preemie. So how my wife said, yeah, this is a good decision after everything we'd been through uh, and how quick we had our third child. Like, But it, it was for us, actually, it was a transportation thing. Yeah. Hey, this will be cheap, and for six months a year, we'll have two vehicles, and then we'll just figure it out in the winter. And that was our plan. You well, know? That was my plan with the with for all along, and it was with the Rebel my main source of transportation. Yeah. Uh, it was it was inexpensive motorcycle, uh, and the insurance was amazingly low. Yeah. So. And it is even, I mean, I don't know what yours is. My insurance on my new touring bike, which is big and is you know has some value uh is 100 bucks a year 130 or so. like it's it's pretty inexpensive like you're saying to get into the motorcycle world it's you need to know what you're doing yeah and i definitely learned uh the hard way a few times i dumped red a couple times learning that's just part of it get a good yes. get a good friend get a good teacher have someone show you what you're doing um, oh and the motorcycle safety course the motorcycle safety uh, is course is an awesome experience both the beginners one great teacher yep. you can get your license through them and then uh, the experienced riders course i took just as a refresher but it was really fun yeah i just enjoyed it all around yeah that's cool it's really good it's free in pennsylvania isn't it it has been historically. Um, I think there were some changes in the last couple of years, so I'm going to have to look it up again. And yeah, see what, it is they didn't not, do any of it this year. Yeah, they didn't. Because 2020. Right. It is not free in New York. It's not even close to free. Yeah. Well, you when you pay for your license here, that's the, that money goes toward the Safety Foundation. Oh, that's cool. So. That's a good setup. Um, so anyways, here's a couple of things I want to hit on. Um, it's, it's fun to just riff on motorcycles and stuff, but how do uh, you... Maybe uh, give some perspective as a pastor and a motorcyclist. Like, how 
being on two wheels has influenced your relationship with God or, or how that those two things go together? Cause I mean, it seems maybe a little crazy or, or a little, okay, guys, I think you're in love with your bikes a little too much. Like I can see someone listening and thinking that, but like there is a spiritual side there is the potential for a spiritual side to anything you engage in in right. this life, and that includes hobbies or things, passions like motorcycles. There is a spiritual side to it that, and I think that even those who don't know God actually can feel the spiritual side of riding a motorcycle. There's a sense of power. There's a sense of freedom. Um, there's a, an adrenaline issue. Uh, there's, um, and and the and the sense of adventure, and I think all of those things are real spiritual. Yeah. So, you know, for me, in my relationship with God, um, a lot of times when I'm having a bad day, uh, I will end that bad day with a motorcycle ride, because it gives me opportunity to be alone in a sense, and alone with my thoughts or alone with my conversation with God where I can't be interrupted except at a traffic light or, right, you know. Right, um, Yeah. Do you listen to music when you ride? Not very often, but I have that ability. Yeah. So through only, speakers or through... I have... Oh, um, you have the Bluetooth. I have a Bluetooth headset mm-hmm. built into my helmet. Yeah. So I don't listen to music often because I, I, when I'm on the motorcycle, I just like, I want to hear the sounds. Yep. Of the bike, I want to hear the sounds around me. Um, only on the long haul, like we're doing later, will I put some tunes on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like um, there's something about, I don't know, if you've been on a motorcycle, you understand that there's almost like this feeling of flying that's part of it. Like you, you literally. Yeah. And, and so when you get up on like a really big hill and you can view miles across a valley to another big mountain or hill or something like that. Like I'm thinking of some of the roads we ride around here in the hills of Pennsylvania. Like you literally feel, I do anyways, you feel like you're flying and soaring and seeing God's creation in just this totally unique way. That like to me, that's part of like the spirituals. You're experiencing God's creation in just a amazingly unique way that you it's different than having the window down in your car it just is it is very different yes um i i got a funny little plaque hanging on my wall and it says um only motorcyclists know why dogs hang their head out the window there you go and uh it's true like i don't even know how to define that feeling yeah Yeah. but i usually ride without a windshield and without a helmet because i love that that feeling yeah um now in my later years, my wife feels better about me wearing a helmet. Yeah, and because I've got the Bluetooth set, set I wear it more and be, often. And because you ride with me, and I always wear a helmet. <laughs> you always, well, and that, and our friends are from New York, so yeah. we often end up there. I I got listen. I got five kids. The fact that my wife lets me have a bike at all <laughs> is amazing. So I'm not gonna push on the helmet thing. And and personally, I have headphones in when I ride. It holds them in. I got zero complaints. I like my setup, so yeah, it works. But I, I don't. I never harass anybody for choosing to wear a helmet, and I never harass anybody for not wearing a helmet. Sure, it's it's personal it's, choice. It's their choice. It's and in this state of Pennsylvania, uh, thankfully we have that kind of freedom. Yeah, Ohio too. 
Ohio too, yeah. Yeah, which let, that's a good segue um, to where we're where we're headed. So uh, next week, so this is what happened. I bought um, I bought this new bike, Good Vibrations, and the whole reason I bought Good Vibrations was I wanted to be able to do longer trips. Would I have taken Red Delicious on long trips? Yeah. Would that have been a wise decision? Probably, probably not. not. <laughs> would Would she have rattled herself apart on the ride? Yeah, probably. I lost air filters off those carburetors more times than I can count. And then you're flying down the road sucking in whatever into the carbs because you have I, I no. I recall you lost a muffler too. I lost I lost the muffler on I eighty six. Yeah, that was, and then I lost the resonator that I put on to replace the muffler. That actually I think is still here in this garage, but. Anyways, uh, so I bought this this big bike, and immediately I'm like, "We gotta do, we gotta do a trip." That was the whole reason I did this. Like, where are we gonna go? What are we gonna do? And so I pulled out Google Maps or whatever, and I'm looking, and I was like, "Adirondacks." I've never been to the Adirondacks. That would be cool. And I looked at the kind of the distance, and it's like I don't know. 500 miles maybe from here to the Adirondacks, depending on where you go. Adirondacks is very, very large. Large area, yeah. But anyways, um, so I thought that'd be cool. But then I looked at my calendar, and I was booked through August, and September's a busy month uh, at our church at Erie First. So I knew it was going to have to go towards the end of September if I was going to put something on the calendar. And it's getting cold up here. So I'm glad I made the choice that I did because I was like, you know what? I don't want to go north. It's not that far right. north, but I don't want to go north end of September because our plan is bikes and tents, and that's it. We're not doing hotels. We're going to land at some campgrounds and uh, and just tent camp it. So anyways, I looked equidistant, about 500 miles south-ish, and I found this park or this national park called Daniel Boone National Forest is what it's called, and then I did some searching on that. and. It, this is the power of the internet. Like I'm just messing around yeah. one Saturday night looking at stuff. And I found this tunnel. It's called the Nada tunnel. Look it up. N-A-D-A, the Nada tunnel. It's 900 feet long. It's 12 feet wide. It's now it's 13 feet tall. It was 12 feet tall and a vehicle got stuck in there. So they had to blast an extra oh, foot. I didn't know that part. Yeah. So anyways, I text Matt and I'm like, you ready to hear the next adventure? And he said, what? And I said, what, whatever I said. A thousand miles in three days. Let's go yeah. to Kentucky or something right. like that. And so we lined it up, and we're going to do it. So we leave next Thursday. Actually, when when this airs, we leave this Thursday, this week, uh, and we're going to be gone Thursday, Friday, and we'll get late. We'll get home, you know, later in the day on Saturday. So we're going to do like three fifty a day, which is not a crazy number. It's reasonable. And uh, we're not going to do any highways as best we can, you know. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on? It? I know we've had a couple lunches to plan this. We got uh, it's six of us total, so it's Matt, myself, and four other riders are going on this trip. I'm excited about it. I love the long haul trips. Um, it's kind of a, it's very close to a dream I have of um, I've always wanted to throw a bunch of gear on and ride west in tent camp, just randomly wherever I feel like stopping. Yeah, but yeah. This side of the east, of the Mississippi, we're east. Uh, we can't do that. There's not a lot of public lands, but you found campgrounds and places that we can stop along the way. Yeah. So it's very close to that dream of, of camping uh, 
wildly along wherever but yeah and that's totally a dream of mine as well it's it's a big commitment obviously to do it and and if you're gonna do it like totally wild you you probably don't want to do it alone you know you probably want to have it it makes a a difference um there are a couple of um youtube videos i don't know did i send you those last week or no across across america no oh i'll send them to you there's a guy it was really well done i think it was called across america he left from brooklyn went all the way to seattle and then he went from Seattle down to L.A., and then he went L.A. back to Brooklyn. 29 days, 9,200 miles. 21? 29 days. The That's entire, a lot of mileage. The entire month of September last year, he was on the road. Tent oh. camp, and is legit. And it's definitely like a goal. I actually had a goal um, with my buddy Azam, which Azam, if you're listening, you should go buy a bike because we, <laughs> we have a deal, but you need a motorcycle to complete it. Uh, next uh, summer, we were going to try to do cross-country because it's the year he turns 30 and I turn 35. Okay. And that was like our... We, we built this plan like four years ago. I'm holding up my end of it, but he hasn't bought his bike yet. So, uh, how, how many years ago? Four. Four years ago? Yeah, when I first got into All it. All right. All right. So, so maybe uh, Matt and I will do it, and we can tell us how about it. <laughs> we can send him some videos or something. But... Uh, Anyways, it's just cool, and it's you know there's just a a brotherhood to it, a camaraderie about it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just it's fun. It's really really good. So I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts you want to add on that, or anything else that kind of pertains to that subject? I was thinking about the the brotherhood of it. Um, you know, we talked earlier about those short stops that to get a drink or a, a quick. Uh, a quick chat at an intersection as you're waiting for your, your green light. Um, Those these are really long, quick. These long trips really give that opportunity to talk more and get to know people and yep. um, build friendships that last a long time. Yep, it's true. And you know it's funny because um, I heard a guy say a long time ago, like, guys don't just hang out. Guys, like, need to be doing something to, right. to justify hanging out. And it's true, whether it's fixing up cars, riding motorcycles, playing sports. Guys just need, this is speaking very broadly, of course, but, like, guys need a thing to do while we get to know each other. It's just how we're wired. So, yeah. But I think it's cool that God has made us differently in that way and that he's given us things we can do that we get passionate about, excited about, and, uh, you know, that we can attach ourselves to and... And then go build those relationships and those, you know, friendships and do stuff like that. So, and I'm going to videotape as much as I can of this trip. Yeah. So, so um, Matt has a YouTube channel. What's it called? Motos and Minis. Motos and Minis. And not like me. For me, if I said that, it'd be my motorcycle and my minivan because right. that's what I have, but you have. I have a, mi- a motorcycle and a Mini Cooper. Yes. So, so that's pretty dope. That's pretty cool. So, uh, so yeah, we'll have some uh, some footage and uh, some different things that'll hit the internet for sure. So you know, this has been uh, a pretty chill and different podcast, just kind of um, talking about something that I'm passionate about and excited about. And hopefully, after the trip, maybe we can do another one and kind of talk through our experience, what we encountered, what we didn't, stories, bears we killed, whatever happens, we don't know. Um, we do have, so we have two campgrounds lined up, and what the funny thing is, they're about 45 miles apart from each other. Yeah, I kind of looked at the map going, wow, those were actually... We could have just stayed at the same one. Could have been. But I have this rule, actually John, who's going with us on this trip, 
uh, he was one of the first guys I rode with a long time ago. And he said, I have this thing where if I'm going to go for a ride, I never want to be on the same road two times in one ride. Yeah, that's a good idea. So it's like a personal, it's a personal challenge. It makes sure that it makes you make every ride like a circle, never just a line and then straight back, you know, is kind of the idea. Um, so I don't even intentionally plan that way. It's now just a subconscious reaction when I plan routes. It's like an automatic, okay, well, we can't be on the same road twice, so what are we going to do here? Like, that's that's my starting point for every ride we ever do. Um, so anyways, that's what's happening with this. We're going to do about 350 the first day. We'll be about 150 from this amazing magic tunnel that I found. Uh, the second day, we'll get to the tunnel. We'll go through it. Uh, and then we'll start the loop and the work home. And we'll end up at a campground that's about 45 minutes apart from the one we stayed at the night before. And then the final day, we'll, we'll bomb it home. Uh, but it'll be good. I'm excited. It's going to be really cool and uh, give us the chance to just see, see some more of America, some, some of our country, and uh, have some campfires and hang out. So anyways, thanks for indulging uh, me and listening to my friend Matt and myself just kind of take you through uh, our journey with motorcycles and Jesus and how it all does fit together. The, actually, let me wrap up by saying this. The inspiration for um, for this trip came from I was given or I bought, I can't remember, a devotional uh, from a guy, I think his name's Tim Ritter, and it's called God, Motorcycles, and the Open Road. And the entire idea, he's ridden his entire life, probably four to 500,000 miles in his lifetime of riding, and the whole idea was just sharing stories and his spiritual growth that's happened from his moments on the road. And for me, that's why that's why I'm passionate about it is because I do believe that like there is this bigger part of it. It's not just because it's cool or just because I want a motorcycle, but like it does speak to me. I, whether it is you've had a long day and you just need to go ride to like put it to bed or um, you know, what, whatever the case is, like for everyone, it's different. Um, but it's cool. And it's cool to just get to know people through that culture and through that world. So any parting thoughts, Matt, anything at all? I, I'm a preacher, so yeah, you I mean, shouldn't give me that opportunity. Yeah. You got two pastors in front of the microphone, but, uh, <laughs> anyways, well, Hey, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next time on the quintessential ministry podcast. Uh, it has been uh, fun to just kind of go off book this time and share some thoughts and things that uh, that we're passionate about. So we'll catch you next time and have a blessed week. I was one.